to go ye. And the rest of us, let's take our Bibles and just turn to the book of Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. A passage we refer to often, have preached through this on uh, many occasions over the years, but just, uh, I guess we could uh, come down uh, to verse 13 and kind of getting uh, 12 and 13, get an introduction here. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. And then Peter adds, knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. And if you'll remember, uh, John chapter 21, Jesus said, uh, when you're young, you dressed yourself, you went where you want. When you're old, somebody else is going to dress you or gird you and take you where you don't want to go. And uh, rather a cryptic uh, uh uh, definition or description of Peter's death as uh, being dressed by someone else and taken somewhere you don't want to go. I mean, that could be a lot of different things. Uh, but uh, we don't know. Peter obviously understood what the Lord was talking about. And here we have Peter saying, it's going to happen. It's going to happen in very short order. I do not have much time on this earth. And yet Peter got this letter written, possibly smuggled out of the prison where he was awaiting his soon coming death. And he said, I want to put you in remembrance of some things. I want to remind you, even though you already know them, even though you're established in these things. And of course, not everyone here is, uh, but uh, the majority... Uh, uh, of the people here tonight uh, have been through this passage, but let's just start in verse 3, and we'll work our, our way down to verse 11. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue." Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, we'll start with verse 11. How many of you would like that to be said about you? An abundant entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Amen? 
I, I, I would not want the Lord to be ashamed of me in that day when I go to meet him. But we read in the book of Jude, those that are saved having even their garments spotted by the flesh. We, we hear about uh, those that um, have lost. You cannot lose your salvation, but you can lose everything else. And so, as Peter is talking here, and truly, if anybody in the Bible deserved to lose their salvation, was it not Peter? Who denied that he knew the Lord three times? And yet he didn't. You know why? Because Peter didn't do the work of saving him. Jesus did. Hope you never get tired of it is finished. I hope that rings in your heart and in your soul. Seven days a week. Because it is the work that Jesus has done. Amen? And so the Bible says that we want to have that entrance into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to, to be an abundant entrance, to be a good thing, to be a wonderful thing. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, let's go back to verse 3. Number one, you have everything you need. Everything you need. For that abundant entrance into the everlasting kingdom of Jesus Christ, you already have it. Peter had it. The people Peter was writing to had it. They had everything they need. If you want to know why I get so upset and I keep repeating myself, I get all these things in the mail about new approaches and new this and new that and Oh, it just drives me crazy because I already have everything I need. I don't want your help. I don't want your stuff. You know, uh, uh, over the years I've met certain people and they would introduce themselves. And yeah, yeah, I, I could really help your church. Anytime some preacher tells me that, they're never coming here. Because help is not in any person. It's not in a set of messages. It's not in your super understanding of anything. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things we've striven to do here is to keep you ignorant of all of the great personalities that are out there. Uh, and, and there are many. And I've told you the stories, and I usually withhold the names because I'm not trying to reflect ill upon anybody. But if a preacher walks into a service and the preacher stops preaching to recognize him, something's wrong with that. We, we don't give that kind of honor to men. That belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ alone. And if you're preaching, you're telling people about Jesus. You're telling people what's in this book called the Bible. Why would you interrupt that for another human being? Uh, something's wrong. You see, 
All things that pertain unto life and godliness are given, verse 3, unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Here's the question. How well do you know Jesus? I've been kind of working on a sermon a little bit at a time, and I have no idea when it's coming. But something just to start thinking about and praying about now. Did the disciples know who Jesus was at the Sea of Galilee after his resurrection? Absolutely. Did they recognize him? Absolutely not. It said no one asked him who he was. They knew who he was, but they didn't recognize him. Isn't that a scary thought? You see, here's the question. How well do you know Jesus? Who who knew Jesus better than the disciples? But they couldn't recognize him from a physical appearance. They had to wait until he put all the fish in the net. You see, we have many, many people, and if we're not careful, we'll we'll join them. Oh, I've been a Christian all my life. No, you haven't. You've only been a Christian since you've been born again. Amen? Now you can get to know Jesus. Now you can learn about Him. He has called you to glory and to virtue, the Bible says here. Glory. What's that mean? Jesus wants people to think... Let me... Start over again. Jesus wants people you meet to think better of Jesus because you have been with Jesus. That's glory. That's what glory is. Glory is lifting up. Glory is praising. He's called us to glorify Him. What did Paul say in the book of Galatians? He said, they glorify God in me. They hadn't even seen me. They just heard the story that I was the persecutor of the church and now I preach Jesus whom I once persecuted. They said, boy, Jesus is good. If you remember uh, just a couple Sunday nights ago, we talked about the willing servant. The one that would go to the town square and have the entire lower part of his ear ripped open with an awl as a public testimony they were giving up their life freedom to serve another human being. You're not to think of how devoted the servant is. What you're supposed to be thinking about is how wonderful that master must be. I'd like to meet that guy. I'd like to meet someone that is such a good person that this man would give his entire life to serve him. Called to glory. I tell you, I think 
we could all use a little improvement in that job there. Bringing and virtue. You know, we live in a wicked, wicked world. Do we not? I think we were talking about it over at Union uh, as we were working over there. And, uh, you know, they, they keep bringing up all of these terrible things about our president. Most of it's made up. But you know what the response has been? So, that has never happened for a Republican. It's always been, oh man, I've got to resign. I've got to do this. That's not really a good thing. But I'm glad he's not quitting. Amen. But what I'm simply saying is, we live in a society where nobody lives clean anymore. Our Mayor Bloomberg, I, uh, what was it? Um, was it Giuliani that said, I, I smoked a marijuana joint, but I never inhaled. And I think it was Bloomberg said, I did smoke a marijuana joint. I did inhale, but I didn't like it. And the Marijuana Reform Party was running an ad using Michael Bloomberg, talking about trying to promote marijuana there, but... When I was a little boy in my hometown, Westminster, Maryland, only the way out freaks, total losers, guys that were most likely to end up in penal institutions for the remainder of their those were the people that were smoking marijuana. Your average bad guy was not doing those things. Now you're good guys. If we can use that phrase. Are doing those things. You see, Jesus has still called us to virtue. Living a clean life. Glory. That people would think better. This is what Jesus has called us to. He has given us Everything that we need to get there if we'll learn who He is. If we'll learn about Him. Now, how do I learn about Jesus? Well, Peter gives us a whole list of things here. You see, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Verse 4, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That is to be the testimony of the Christian. Do we make it? Well, maybe not now, but he wants us to. Amen? He wants us to be moving in that direction. And here's how. And besides this, giving all diligence. Let me ask you, when is the last time you've given all diligence to anything? We, we live in a world where diligence is not part of the program. It's just getting by. You know why diligence is so frowned upon? Because it makes other people look bad. That's why I go to my standard definition of normal. 
is the acceptable level of failure. That's what normal is. That's not diligence. Diligence is going the extra mile. Diligence is giving the utmost that is in you. And by the way, where does what's in you come from? If you're saved, it comes from Jesus, not from you. Amen? And so, you give this diligence to add to your faith virtue. And the only way I know of virtue, you look it up in the dictionary and say purity. Can I give you the Bible definition of the word virtue? How many of you remember the story of Jairus' daughter? She was dying and... Uh, Jarius had met Jesus as he got off the boat coming across the Sea of Galilee and said, my daughter's dying, come with me. And on the way there, the woman with the issue of blood touched him. Remember that? She reached up, she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And she did. And Jesus stopped the whole procession. And here's what he said. I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. What happened? She was unclean. When she touched Jesus, she became clean because no one could make Jesus unclean. That's why when he touched the leper, the leper the leprosy had to depart because Jesus was clean. Now I don't want anybody to raise their hands, but I want you to think about something. How many of you have been encouraged to make pure and right decisions by someone else that's in this room here tonight? Now, don't raise your hands, but I want you to think about that. Through the preaching, through the fact that you're a member of the church, say, well, I'm, I'm, i got to go to church tomorrow. I can't do that. Uh, I have other people who believe and I fellowship with, I can't do that because I will let them down. I will let the Lord down. I need to live right to please the Lord Jesus Christ. Guess what? That's virtue. Virtue is a purity that reaches out and touches others and draws them toward we're not talking about Phariseeism. How many of you have ever met someone, you can raise your hands on this, that just made you feel dirty and worthless by talking to them? I certainly have. You know, I, I met a guy one time, he says, you're not even smart enough to know the questions that I can answer. Well, okay, so you're smart. God didn't call me to be smart. He called me to preach the Word. Amen? He, he called me to just simply help other people get closer to Jesus. If you get closer to Jesus, guess what? You get cleaner. You have to. He makes you that way. Can we say amen to that? Add to your faith virtue. Faith without virtue becomes Phariseeism. It becomes snobbishness. It becomes pride. Virtue tempers faith. 
Have you ever met someone that was so impressed with their own Bible knowledge and their own relationship with God? Let me tell you, that's not the God of the Bible. The closer you get to Jesus, the more humble you will be. Because you will realize how much farther you have to go to get to be like Jesus. Which is what virtue is. Can we say amen to that? You're supposed to add virtue to your faith. The only way you're going to do that is by getting closer to Jesus. You see, then what's the next one? Knowledge. What does knowledge do by itself? Knowledge what? Puffeth up, doesn't it? Oh, wow. Is the world full of puffed up people or what? Yeah. Well, how can I get knowledge that won't puff me up? By having a foundation of virtue to hold it up. Amen? Having an undergirding, if you want to use it that way, an undergirding is what you put under the ship to keep the bottom of the ship from falling into the ocean during a storm. And if you want to know uh, virtue, faith is the keel. It's going to keep you going in the right direction. But virtue is what holds that thing together. And if you have that virtue, then you can add knowledge. And, and it won't puff you up. And it won't make you pr- pride, proud. What the knowledge will do is it will give you temperance. Now, years ago, there used to be temperance leagues all over this country. And what they were was to get people to stop drinking alcohol. And there were many places. Rochester, New York was one of them where the temperance league closed down every bar in Rochester. Not because Molly Hatchett went around chopping people's hands off or any... Oh, good night. Give me a break. They always like to advertise the horse part of it. It was because nobody was going into the bars to buy the liquor. They couldn't make enough money to keep the doors open. You want to stop liquor. That's how you do it. You want to stop these great sins of our nation. That, that's how you do it. Temperance. The ability to control yourself. Even when someone scratches your car. If you remember the sermon on worship. Temperance. You see, temperance is saying, I know that Jesus is in control, so I don't have to do anything stupid. I can trust Jesus with this thing. How many of you have ever flown off the handle about something? Everybody raise your hand. You have. Hit the panic button. I had somebody tell me the other day, he says, you you just don't know what kind of pressure I'm under. I said, would you like me to give you a list? I said, I'll trade. The guy was going, what kind of crazy preacher am I talking to? Hey, temperance keeps you from going nuts when you get put under pressure. We don't have time to, to build that thing out the whole way. Temperance... If you want, it comes from the same base word as temper. 
And that's what they do when they manufacture the old swords that they used to use in battle. The blade had to be tempered. If it wasn't, here's what happened. The original knives were cast brass or or metal, cast iron almost. Well, you make a sword light enough and thin enough that you can put an edge on it. And then somebody came up with Damascus steel. And so you're fighting, and the guy puts his blade up, and you come down on it, and all of a sudden all you're holding is a handle. Because the blade wasn't tempered like the Damascus steel was. And it would shatter the blades. And then, do I need to tell you what happened next? The guy holding the handle, it didn't go well, all right? Uh, Most of the time he didn't survive the battle. Why? Because he was defenseless. Hey, we need to be tempered. We need to be able to stand the stresses of this world in which we live. If Christians can't, who will? But what do you add to temperance? Come on, what's the next word? Read it out loud. I thought temperance and patience was the same thing. No, no. Temperance is you being able to put up with yourself. Patience is you being able to put up with other people. Oh! How we love patient people and hate to be patient. Right? But the Bible says if we want to get to know Jesus, we've got to take our faith in Jesus and add virtue, purity. A purity that helps other people get closer to Jesus. Then we can get knowledge. What is that knowledge going to do? That knowledge is going to temper us. It's going to help us keep from reacting uh, incredibly wrong or over the top when we're put under pressure. And once we learn to control ourselves with our mistakes, then we can get patience and control ourselves with others' mistakes. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. James chapter 1. Now what comes after patience? Hello? Read. Godliness. You know what we want to do? We want to start with godliness. Yeah, yeah. Christian means to be like Christ. Well, I'm more like Christ than he is. Yeah. Uh, No. That's the problem the Pharisees had. They had a form of godliness. But it didn't do anybody any good except to drive other people away from God. True godliness. If you meet a truly godly person you're going to be instantly drawn to Jesus. I'll tell you what, that's what we need, isn't it? That's what we need to be. Those are the kind of friends that we need to have. If you want to be a true encourager, this is where you want to go, but you're not going to get the godliness 
before you get virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience. Then the next one is brotherly kindness. How many remember that campaign, Random Acts of Kindness? And it usually was a super large tip at a restaurant. Now, I'm not against that stuff. But is that what the Bible's talking about here, brotherly kindness? Now, I'll tell you this, nobody fights like brothers fight. Because they know everything about each other and how to press the buttons. And I've watched the little one defeat the bigger one because the little one knew what button to press. And then he all, and, oh, well, Dad heard that and put a stop to it. But let me tell you, when brothers are kind, when they have that kindness, that is a special, special thing. And God wants us to love each other like brothers and sisters in Christ. We need that. But I'll tell you what, if you've ever had the imitation of it, you know what nightmares are made out of. No one tortures you like someone trying to help you. How many of us have ever been there? You need to understand this is for your own good. I'm just trying to help you. Well, you know what? If God hasn't straightened you out or straightened this person out, who do you think you are that's going to straighten them out? Hello? You can push people so far. You can move them with a sense of duty even farther. But you can love people anywhere. And that's what brotherly kindness... See, that's why the last one is charity. That's when God's love reaches through my life and touches someone else. That is Bible Christianity. That's where we're supposed to be. Is when we get to the point that God's love actually touches someone and we get to be the conduit or the pipe through which it flows. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot get to know Jesus better without acting more like Him. He transforms us into His image. God has predestinated. We're going to take that word back from the Calvinist. They don't know what to do with it. They pervert it. They redefine it. But God has ordained that we will be like Jesus one day. When we get to heaven, we're going to be like Jesus. 
You know, oftentimes in funerals and things, people will just ask and say, you know, what's it going to be like in heaven? I had this person here who's died and I loved them so and they loved me. And when we get in heaven, are we going to be strangers? Uh, are, we're not going to have, the Bible says no one's married in heaven, so how does that work? Well, let me ask you a question. Does Jesus love you or you or you or me more than he does another person? Does he love any one of us less than he can as God? Of course not. But when we get to heaven, 1 John chapter 3, we shall see him as he is. Why? Because we're going to be like him. We're going to be closer to each other than any relationship we know here on earth. They tell us, people, if you have five friends, if you have five people that are truly your friends, you are a most unusual person. Well, could I challenge you that most of the members of our church fall into that category? Because it doesn't take you very long to get five friends in the fellowship of Jesus Christ. Could we say amen to that? You see, if those things be in you abound, you're going to learn more about Jesus. Why? Because you're going to need to learn more about Jesus to put up with other people. Amen? You're going to need to learn more about Jesus to... Get rid of those things in your own life that need to be changed. Can we say amen to that? And that process is what makes us neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you have ever felt like verse 9? Well, it just doesn't make much sense. I, I, I just don't understand what we're trying to do. Well, here's your problem. You're blind and cannot see afar off. If you're living and struggling with your old sins, guess what? Uh, Let's go back to virtue. Let's get a little knowledge. Let's add some temperance. Do you think that would solve a lot of temptation problems, temperance? It most certainly would. Patience will solve other people influencing you. And if you can have godliness, do we need to go down the list anymore? How can you have the true love of God coming through you and touching another person when you're doing things that are so far against the Bible? You see, you can't. You can make a good show. You can have a pretense. But if you're going to have these things in your life and abound, you've got to draw close to Jesus. That's why you give, need to give diligence here. It says, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom 
of our Lord Jesus, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Do you get what's being... You see, you don't fight sin by trying to stop sinning. You fight sin in your life by getting closer to Jesus. Amen? You don't become more holy by running away from the world. You become more holy by running towards Jesus Christ. You don't learn about Jesus by reading, what would Jesus do? There's a book written years ago. Don't get me started on that one. The only thing that Jesus did that you can do is go find a Baptist preacher and get baptized. After that, what Jesus did, you can't do. It's just not possible. But here's what you can do. You get close enough to Jesus that he rubs off just a little bit. Amen? You know what they say about old married couples? And I really hope this isn't true because I do love my wife. It says they begin to look like each other. How many of you have seen some older couple just hobbling down and they look like they could be brothers and sisters? Now, I hope that never happens to my wife. But I like the thought there. I'd like to walk along with Jesus enough that I get looking like him. Amen? And if that happens, guess what? He's not going to be ashamed when he announces my entrance to his kingdom. Isn't that what you want? Amen? Well, you got a list. Let's get busy. All God's people said. Heavenly Father.